The snow is falling, the nights come early, and you're listening to Burning Rock Radio. Burning Rock Radio is the ongoing story of Ivy Romeo's search for her friend Sam. If you're new to the podcast, we suggest that you listen from the beginning. Chapter 20, When the Rivers Overflow. Sam and I stepped out of the library and back onto the street. The rain was really coming down now. We paused under the cover of the library awning and watched as the light played against the raindrops like a disco ball. I loved these stormy nights. The tail end of winter fighting back against the dawning of summer. Every season fights the last one, and I don't think any of them let go on purpose. Sam stood as close as he could to the rain without actually being in it. I shoved my hands in my pockets and stood next to him. So what was that about? I asked. The library book? Yeah, of course the library book. Sam shrugged. I guess Logan checked it out. Why? Isn't it a kid's book? How old is Logan? Graduating high school this month, actually. And I think he recognized the name of the author. How? I asked. Naomi Stryker was our great-grandmother. Oh, I said. Okay, that tracks. Your family does seem to have a thing for sea monsters. So you think he stole the book? Oh, sure. Sam replied, kid's a total felon. He left the dry comfort of the library awning and started back toward his car. I followed. Pretty sure stealing from the library isn't a felony, I said. I'm not even totally sure it would be considered a crime. They would probably just put a hold on your card. Sure, whatever, I don't care, Sam said. Anyway, he stole the book. So, do you know what's in it? I asked. He shrugged. Nope, no idea. How convenient. You know what is convenient? He asked, a half-smile appearing on his face. What? I smiled too. Sam shrugged. Well, he's my brother, so I can literally just call him up and ask. He put his phone to his ear, and I realized he must have dialed on the walk over here. Logan, it's me. Yeah, turns out I'm going to be making it to your graduation after all. He glanced up at me. Might bring a friend. Call me when you get this. Normally I would have hated being invited to something like that, but... Given that we were desperately trying to Scooby-Doo this thing, I was actually kind of excited. We started the drive back toward the apartment. I guess that was good. I had a lot of homework to get to tonight, and I really wanted to have time to change and grab myself a sandwich. So, do you want to come to Seattle with me? He asked after a moment. I kind of did, actually. I found that I kind of wanted to meet Sam's brother... I liked the idea of a four-hour drive back to the city, and I liked the fact that he was asking me to go, because that made me feel like I was part of something. For another thing, I really wanted to go home to Seattle. I just wanted to see it. I wanted to breathe the air and see the people on the streets and maybe even eat something from one of the good bagel shops. 
I mean, they're not New York bagels, but they also aren't the kind of bagels that come in a six-pack and get frozen for two months. Yeah, I said, and then added, is it really a graduation? He's definitely going to stop being a high school student. Yes, Sam said. I smiled in spite of myself. I guess if I had to go to a party where I only knew one person, I was glad that that person would be Sam. The next day, Sam and I drove to class together. Sam parked way too far away, as usual. He could have parked so much closer, but he chose to stay out in the literal woods. I didn't get why he did stuff like that. Sometimes he seemed uptight and stressed, and sometimes he seemed so laid back that I was afraid he was just going to wander right off into the path of something bad and not even realize he was in danger until it was too late. Sam took an umbrella from his back seat and unfurled it. Now I felt like I was about to walk into a detective movie. So you park a mile away and pull out an umbrella? What, were you born in Nevada? I thought you were local, I said. I am local, I just don't like to be damp, he replied. In spite of my initial complaint, I got real hypocritical real fast and stayed under the umbrella until we were safe under the roof overhang of the communications building. Most of this college wasn't particularly fancy. It was more of a utilitarian sort of place with a central office building surrounded by half a dozen smaller annexes. The buildings were sort of beige with a rough sort of stucco shell. It's not the kind of place that immediately draws you in, but I suppose not everything in the world has to be beautiful. There's a certain beauty in serving a purpose efficiently, too. I opened the classroom door, bringing a gust of wind with me. A couple of other students looked up, but no one said anything. No one even really looked at us. I looked across the room until I spotted Crown sitting up near the front of the class. Crown liked to be close to the action, and in a classroom setting, the action is generally up front. Or at least that's how people like Crown tend to think. I think a little differently, I guess. I tend to watch the action from behind the action. I like to sit in the back of the class because from back there, I can see everything. I can see the way that people look at each other. I can see the people who whisper across the table to each other and the ones who play Caterpillar on their phone when they're supposed to be taking notes. That tells a story just as clear as whatever the professor has to say. Today, though, I kind of wanted to sit in a group. Today, I was the one with things to whisper about while we were supposed to be listening. There were already students on either side of Crown, so I grabbed the table just behind him and tapped him on the shoulder. Sam slid into the chair next to mine, and Crown swiveled to face us. Hey guys, he said. How's it going? It's going real weird, Sam said. But you first. You got anything new? Yeah, Crown said. I got a hold of Brad's mom's phone number. How do you manage that? I asked, leaning forward and putting my elbows on the table. Magic. Crown said with a lopsided smile. Wouldn't that be nice? Crown, living here in this seaside town, wielding bits of persuasive magic in order to get people to confess to crimes, or perhaps reminding people to get birthday presents for their children, 
or maybe occasionally convincing an otherwise grouchy restaurant cook to help a young runaway. A little everyday magic would be nice in a place like this. Did you get to talk to her? Sam asked. I left her a message. I'm hoping she'll have the password for Brad's laptop. How about you guys? Crown said. Did you find anything? Again, I thought about the little plant in the sidewalk and the drawing in Reed's drawer and the library book that Logan had stole. There was a lot we could tell Crown, a lot of strange stuff, but I wasn't sure I was ready to tell him all of it. Now that I was here, I wasn't sure if I was ready to tell him the part about my dreams. Not the part that made me sound like I might be taking something recreationally in my spare time. I wanted to know what was going on before I shared with Crown or anyone else. The fact that Sam knew. Well, maybe I shouldn't have told him about those dreams. Then again, if I hadn't have told him, he probably wouldn't have told me about his dreams and... We would all still be keeping a lot of secrets. Sam, however, had no idea that I was having second thoughts and answered immediately. Yeah, he said. We found the thing that Brad gave Reed. He turned to me. Can I see your phone? I handed it to him reluctantly. Interesting, Crown said after a moment. Was Brad a cartoonist or something? I mean, I don't know, Sam said. Obviously, he had some artistic ability, but as far as I know, he didn't, like, carry a pencil pack around with him or anything like that. Crown looked at my phone for a few minutes longer before handing it back to me. So what do we think it means? He asked. Well, so that's the crazy thing, Sam started. After we got in the car, we started comparing notes and I cut him off. He was about to tell Crown about our dreams, and I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't ready for the questions that I didn't have answers for. We headed to the library, I said. Sam's verbal train of thought stuttered to an awkward end, and he gave me a strange look. To his credit, though, he didn't push it. Slowly, he turned back to Crown. Yeah. We thought the librarian might be able to help us figure out what we were looking at, he said. We thought there might be a local legend or something. Good. That was true enough. While we were there, I said, we found out that the drawings of the monster might somehow be connected to Sam's family. Okay, Crown said. I'll put some feelers out there, see what else I can find. Did you get the book? Not yet, Sam said. Turns out my brother had the only known copy of the book still in existence. We're going to go get it this weekend. When exactly? Crown asked. Tomorrow, Sam replied. Okay. Crown seemed to be calculating something in his head. Let me know as soon as you have it. Send pictures if you can. In fact, can Logan just send pictures? I doubt it, Sam said. My whole family is a little tech-averse. Okay. Crown nodded. Tomorrow will be fine. Glad we have your approval, Sam said with a dose of sarcasm that seemed to go right over Crown's head. 
The professor was making her way up to the desk, which meant that we only had a few moments before class started. Crown started to turn to face the front of the class and then seemed to think better of it. One other thing, Crown said. I got a sample to my buddy at the lab. She doesn't have the results back yet, but when she looked at the test tube, her first thought was that it looked like paint, so it might be nothing. That was an encouraging thought, I guess. That it could still be something innocuous, something that didn't matter. I didn't buy that it was paint, of course. I knew what paint behaved like. Even in this weather, it would have started to dry before we ever got to it. But maybe it was something normal. Like motor oil. Maybe it wasn't some kind of bad omen. Maybe Brad was okay and he really had just driven off because school got to be too much. I hoped that was true. The buzzing fluorescent lights overhead were already making my temples ache. I did my best to shut off my brain and take in the information the professor had for us, but I felt my mind wandering more often than I would have liked. It was becoming harder and harder to focus on the things I was supposed to focus on these days. How do you pay attention to the science of radio waves and broadcasting theory when the world is literally falling apart around you? After class, Sam pulled me aside in the hallway. So I take it you really don't want to tell Crown about your dreams, he said. Not particularly. Why? Sam leaned back against the doorframe of the empty classroom next door. He looked so casual and I found it irritating. Because it's irrelevant, I said, though even as I said it, I knew that that wasn't true gonna have to call you on that one he said it seems super relevant do you really think it's a coincidence that we're all having dreams about the same monster kind of i said i mean it could be it it being a coincidence makes more sense than the alternative being on the side of logic and science and experience had to win me at least a few points in this conversation still Don't you think it's worth the discussion? Sam asked. I already had the discussion with you. Sure, right, so why not crown? I had to really think about how to answer that. It bothered me because up until now, I hadn't needed to do that much thinking around Sam. I hadn't been guarded. It had been easy. But now it seemed like there might be a wrong answer. What would he think if I told him that I didn't fully trust Crown? If I told him that I was afraid of what would happen if another person in my family started seeing ghosts in the shadows? What if I told him that something like this had already happened to my family and that I didn't want to end up looking crazy? I couldn't afford it when my mom and grandparents were already so sensitive. I couldn't risk making them think I was losing it. That wouldn't go well for me. But I had to say something. I just, I just want to get a better handle on it before we let Crown into the conversation, I said. I just think he's going to, like, you know, laugh at us when we come at him with mystical dream stuff. Mm, Crown is a ghost hunter, Sam said. If anyone's going to understand, it's him. I guess that made sense. But 
I still wasn't ready to talk about it. October 2007. After we finish our cake, I open my presents. Each gift reflects the person giving it, and I smile at the thought. Crown is independently wealthy now for some reason, so it's no surprise that his present is the latest top-of-the-line podcast microphone. He was the one who got me into podcasting after all. James, ever precise and literal, gives me a book that I mentioned on my podcast last week. Lana's present is perhaps the most personal. It's a mug, of course, because that's an inside joke between the two of us. The mug has a space needle on it. She knows that Sam and I visited Seattle and talked about it all the time. Lana and I share a look and I think I understand what she's trying to say. You'll make it back there one day. Thank you for listening to Burning Rock Radio. Visit us at www.burningrockradio.com and follow us on Instagram at Burning Rock Radio. As always, we appreciate your ratings and reviews. And Sam, if you're out there, we all miss you and hope to see you soon. <laughs>